right. We are continuing on our theme this month on God's making process. And we're using Jeremiah chapter 18 as our main verse. If you could have it up on the screen. Reading from verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, keep going, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will announce my words to you. I'm reading the New American Standard Bible. Keep going. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled or marred in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Watch that. That's important. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying in verse 6 there, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of, o house of Israel. So God is using metaphors or analogies to try and explain to us how he works in our lives. And I think this scripture is so good, just keep it there, where we are understanding that God is the potter and we are the clay. And as the clay, God wants to shape us and form us into a vessel as you note, if you can go back to verse 5, he wants to form us, or verse 4 rather, he wants to form us and shape us as it pleases him. Notice it says, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. In other words, there is a way in which God wants to make you and shape you so that he can use you as a vessel to serve the world out of. You are not in the world by mistake. You are really not here just to fill up space and breathe in oxygen and increase the hole in the ozone layer. You are here to be a vessel in the hands of God. And so God uses this analogy because before the vessel was made, the potter had to do, to do a number of things. And we have been talking about those. I don't want to go back to them. But we note in this uh, in these verses from verse 1 to verse 6, we note about four main things I want to talk to you about. Number one, we note the potter's mission is to make, is to take the clay and make a vessel out of it. That is the mission of the potter. God wants to take you and make a vessel out of you. All right? And note he is taking something that's worthless, something that is useless, clay. This clay, we are told, when the potter harvested it, he got it from the riverbed. And when he harvested it, it was full of stones and sticks and glasses and all kinds of funny things. And this clay, if you took it to the market in that condition, it has no value whatsoever. No one will buy it. No one will show interest in it. God is that way. He finds us as people who have no worth, who cannot be attractive in any way. But God being God knows how to remove things from our lives, to work on us and shape us until we are people of worth. Let's tell the truth, Barcelona. Many of us, years ago, if we were to go back to what we used to be back then, we were just like this clay. Worthless, no value to us. 
When you looked at us, we were not so organized. We were not so, 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 so great, you know. We were just rough people. You know, you know, we were doing all these things. And when you looked at us, it was like there's really nothing that will ever come out of our lives. And that's what I love about God. Because God never gives up on anybody. And we should learn to be like God and never give up on anybody. And when God saw us, when God met us, when God harvested us, he found us in that condition, but he believed in us anyhow. That's why we need to learn to believe in other people. That's what ministry has taught me. For me, this is what the church has taught me. We need to believe in people. Even if when you look at them initially, they are not impressive at all. You need to believe in them. I found you give people enough time, expose them to the right environment, and if they are willing to learn, if they are willing to be humble, if they are willing to be teachable, then it just takes some time that something good is going to come out of them. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you about you that something good is about to come out of you. You just don't know who you are. And that's what we learn. That's what I like. I mean, as I look around the churches, as I go around churches, you know, there are people that some of them I know on a personal level. Some I know, even if it's not personal, from a distance, but I know when they came. Some we've had conversations with. Some came and said, this was what happened in my life. And I know some people at a certain stage in their lives, they were discouraged about what was going on in their lives. They didn't think they would ever amount to anything because you were surrounded by so much trouble, so much tragedy. You had done so many wrong things, so many bad things. You had so many bad habits. You had gotten involved with so many bad people. You were around bad company. Your language was bad. The way you thought was bad. Your behavior was bad. People didn't want to be around you. But let me tell you, there is a potter called God Almighty who believes in us. And the potter goes and he harvests. So the mission of the potter is to take the clay and make a vessel out of it. If you will give God enough chance in your life, my brother, my sister, you'll be amazed at what God will do out of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, Why obata so? What's about Amenyahuabat? Wait till Laura Amenyabat. I go about why obataso. How batung? How batung? How batung? You know, I rushed back from Namibia looking forward to be in the church. Then you give me a cold amen like that. So, how? The second thing we learn from those verses is that the potter finds the clay and starts working on it. It's not us who found God. It's God who found us. Hallelujah. And when God finds you, he starts working on you. Unfortunately, not many people respond well to God's making process. I'm going to show you as I go through it today. Sometimes, you know, we, 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 we rebel against God's making process. You know, we, we don't like it. You know, we don't respond well. So what happens? We, we end up depriving ourselves to be the best that God wants us to be. You know, we start well, but we plateau somewhere. Because there are certain things when God tries to deal with in our lives, rebastable. You know, you know, sometimes people can say, well, God, you can have my heart, but not my pocketbook. Yeah, yeah. God, you can, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can have this part of my body, but not the bottom part of my body. From the belly downwards, no. 
You know what I'm talking about. Don't give me that look. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there, there's people who say that. There's people who say, well, God, I'm your child, but I'm going to make decisions about where, what I want to do with my future. Don't ever tell me to save you. Don't ever tell me to do such and such. And so what happens? The potter becomes frustrated. Because the clay is rebelling. You see, that verse says God wants to make you as, he, as it pleases him. And let me tell you, knowing the way God works, God wants to make you to look so good. Yeah. God, our God, is a God of high standards. Yeah. He really wants to make you so beautiful so that when people look at you, they say, hey, 10 plus. When they look at you, but hey, shaba, yaba, yaba, yaba. When they look at you and say, hey, what a shock, you know. But some of us, we plateau. And I know in my own journey as a leader, there's areas when I got to them, it was very hard to change. Difficult. Difficult. One of them was this, what we're doing now with planting churches. This was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Basalam. You know, it was easy. It was comfortable for me to be here in Mopinville and just run this church. You know, because it was growing. And if we could still continue growing, and just be, mm, we have the largest church in Soweto, you know. But God said, no, 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 no. You must now start spreading. You must now start training other people. Buying more buildings. You've got to trust for more money. Believe for more. This vision is so big that we don't have enough resources for it. That's not nice. Eh? It's not nice. Now you have to go around the world, go around the country, play a role in the country when God pushed me and said you have to start being visible in the country. To get involved in what's going on in the community. That's not easy. The first meeting I went to and when I was with the community, you know, the community, they don't like you. When I speak, they don't say amen. <laughs> when I stand, they don't get quiet. <laughs> that was hard. That was hard. I remember going home and I was thinking about God, but I knew God was speaking to me. Many of us, we don't want to respond. Why? Because you see, God's not, God is not committed to your comfort. God is committed to your transformation. God will build you up and build you up. And God is a God of new things. You don't, you don't leave the old. He just stretches you into new unfamiliar territory. When I said to Murutima Tola, Bishop Uru, you are going to run the Pinville branch. Now when things go wrong here, Kibutzabon. Now Kibutzabon. And I'm asking lots of questions. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But I have to. They have to be stretched. Yeah, because with time, we have to grow even more. As we go to other parts of the world, we're going to have to have more other people lead with us. But we've got to train people. We've got to raise the bar of responsibility. You've got to ask the, you have to ask the difficult questions. But I found there are people who implode. Somehow, I don't know, is it a South African thing or what? We are unable to sustain our achievements. We do well one time, we don't do well the next time. We see it everywhere in, in all kind of things. In business, we do well one time, we're not doing well. Well, business being what it is. But then one school performs well and the next year it goes down. Churches, it's like this next thing in sports. I mean, look at what's happening at the, on the league. 
It's a heartbreak. No, 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 no. I'm all, I also have been affected, so don't worry. Don't worry, it's only my son, Dawana, who are happy. I mean, you know, you know, okay, it's a liberate, but it's fine. But you, you, you get shocked. One team, one year performs so well, and the next year, not even one silverware. <laughs> hey, Basalana, I'm just talking about soccer in general. Come on, don't, don't be personal now. Come on. You don't want to face the truth. What happens, with our, what happens with our leaders that we're hoping? We were hoping that they can bring in this freedom and this fairness in this country and lead this country in a certain way. They lead for a few years, they get to a certain level, they start choking. It's like that, Pasalana. As human beings, we're like that. So what happens? We are unable to reach certain levels of achievement. Look at your neighbor say, if you don't say amen, he's going to keep preaching. Just tell them. You, you don't say amen. Sorry, it's a bit one. But you know, I don't know what it is with us. That somehow we reach certain levels and then we choke. And I look at my own leadership and my own journey and I realized the biggest enemy to what God wants to do in my life is not the devil. I know you like to blame the devil for everything, some of you. The biggest enemy to what God wants to do in my life is not even my wife. It's not my children. It's not even you. The biggest enemy is this guy. Mio. And the biggest enemy to the potter making this vessel, a vessel of honor, is the clay itself. When the potter tries to make us. And it says there, the potter finds the clay, starts working on it. We learn the fourth thing is, the potter shapes the clay as he wills. You can never tell God what gifts to give you. You don't instruct God where he must use you. You never tell God what assignment to give you. Last week I was talking to Pastor Merrick Havile, you know. I love that man so much. And ever since I've known him, I've never, it's been, you know, it looks like the things that God assigns him are difficult ones. He, God always assigns him to go and revive dying churches. Now, ever since I've known him, he's the third church he's gone to. I mean, people are divided, they're fighting, and then God puts it on his heart to pastor this church, or they come and approach him. When he prays, God says, yeah, yeah. And I said to him, you know, I'm glad I don't walk in your shoes because I don't know if I could do that. And it takes years. This particular church he's at now, he's been in it almost five years, seven years now. It's only now on the seventh year. Now, if you don't understand what that means, let your neighbor show you. Then you, you, you will know what that means. <laughs> only after seven years is he seeing anything that is believable. And I said, hey, your assignment is tough. But you see, I've realized all of us, our assignment is tough. All of us. All of us. The more I look at the vision God has given us, is the more I realize how challenging it is. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Vasana. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. you know, all over, all over we go. There's people there. They want a church there. They know us or they're from our church. Or How? 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 It doesn't matter where you are. Somebody there knows you. How about you? How? 
You can't just hide. You can't, you know. And then people, then they say, when are you starting a church? And I don't want to hear it. Then when I leave, God says, yeah, but right. When are you starting? <laughs> we all love comfort. But God shapes us as he wills. And whatever assignment God has given you, whether you are looking after a child who's not well at all, or in your family, you are the only one who keeps things going and everybody is irresponsible and when things go wrong, they run to you. I know you want to be rescued from that family. I know you want to pray them away. But the potter has put you there. Yeah, I'm coming where you are staying. Coming where you live. Yeah. In that marriage, you are the only one who's trying to bring a spark of love. Who's trying to make any sense of a, a, a feeling of love and a feeling of homeliness? And your partner is not buying into it. And your children are not buying into it. And you want to leave, you want to stop praying. And the day you stop praying, the Spirit said, No, keep praying. Look at your neighbor and say, Lauka Tula, he's coming where you are staying. God shapes us as He wills. And whatever assignment he gives you, you don't give him an instruction. You don't tell him. He tells you. And all of us, Barcelona, our assignments are very challenging. Very difficult. They're not easy at all. Yeah. And this is what I was telling my family. I said, you know, sometimes people want to say to my family, oh, Sham, Udula Alice, you're always Sham, Sham. And I said, hey, please don't make them feel like they are, you know. Everybody sacrifices. Every family sacrifices. Yeah, I don't want people to make me feel like, oh, Shem, Mudibu, Shem, you are without your father's Shem. Hey, Chanda, so much. Everybody sacrifices. We all sacrifice. All of us. In anything God has called us to do. Number four. Then and only then. Now, is the fourth point. One, the potter's mission. Number two, finds clay works on it. Number three, shapes the clay as he wills. Number four. Opposition party come. <laughs> then, the, then the potter uses the vessel to his glory. When God has shaped you, it is not for you. I found out the lowest level of living is to live for yourself. That's the lowest level of living. I'm telling you. The highest level of living is to live to serve others. And some of you, you haven't, even, you, haven't, you haven't even passed that level yet. And it's fine. All of us, we start, we start like being children. You know, you know children, you know, the classic thing about being a child is a child's way of talking is me, myself, and I. That's all that matters in a child's life. Me, myself, and I. When a child is hungry, they will cry and wake up everybody at three in the morning. They don't care if they're making noise. Because I'm hungry. So everybody must be uncomfortable because I'm hungry. So the world must come to a standstill. Child doesn't mind. It's three in the morning, two in the morning. They don't care. They're hungry. Yeah. But you see, as an adult, you wake up even if you don't feel like waking up because the child needs help. So as an adult, one of the qualities of being grown up and matured is to take care of the needs of others. To put others before you. Hmm? That's where God wants to take all of us. 
I'm telling you, Basalan, I'm telling you, if you are not serving anywhere in your life, you are losing out on the joy of life. I tell you, you are losing out in, in, in walking in an anointing and in the power of God, which is one of the greatest things. There's nothing better than serving others and, and God always comes to the party to anoint you with his power to serve others. This is what I've realized. God never anoints you for you. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Harry has anointed me for me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. He doesn't anoint you without sending. And he anoints you because he has sent you. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to pronounce deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to announce the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah. God wants the vessel. God wants every one of us to be a servant serving our world. Whatever area in your life, your family, your community, wherever you are, God wants you to get to that place. That's what God wants to do with this pot. Now, how does God make us? Well, God uses two approaches. And I don't want to say ingredients because that would be disrespectful. God uses his word, the word of God, to shape us and mold us. And we'll go through that. Number two, God uses the power of the Holy Spirit to mold us. I want to give you some practical things today so that when God starts dealing with you in these areas, you'll understand, you know what? God is making me. You can recognize that, you know, God is making me. Instead of being the clay that jumps off the potter's wheel when God makes you, you'll stay on the wheel. Understanding the potter will press me and shape me and put pressure the way he wants. So when I feel him meddling with something in my life, I mustn't say, oh, Look at your neighbor and say, the old tootsing and karakoyan. It looks like it's you who says that kind of So God will use his word. And the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives to mold us. Now look at 1 John 5 verse 8. It says, there are three that bear witness in earth. Three that bear witness. Now, I won't talk about the, all the three. I'm going to talk about the two Mara. There are these three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit. The water. And the blood. And these three agree in one. Now, I don't want to go into the full meaning of everything there, but these three work together. Somebody say the spirit, the, spirit. the, water, the water, and the blood. And the blood. Say it again. The spirit, the, spirit. The, water, the water, and the blood. Let me deal with the blood thing. The blood of Jesus that cleanses our sins. All right? The work of the cross that saved us and made us God's children. When you look at the work of the cross, it will always be consistent and go hand in hand 
with the, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always move you in line with what Jesus did on the cross. Because if it comes from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will always pull you back to become for the, for the, for the Holy Spirit to confirm what Jesus did on the cross. In other words, whatever the Holy Spirit does will not contradict what Jesus did on the cross. Am I with you here? Mara, there's this water stuff. Maybe it's only for me, it's more grace. Because I mean, it is the spirit, it's the water, it's the blood. I know Castle Femadi, we've already explained the blood. Mara, what about this water? Maybe this front row, because Amen. Oh, but hang on now, hang on now. When you read the book of Ephesians, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, that he might cleanse it with what? With the washing. Hey, I'll let it be Bible. How about Salwan? This clay doesn't know the Bible. Let's go. Okay, how about Arba saying Ephesians chapter uh, what? Five. Verse 26, wow. Shaba Yaba, we have a walking Bible. Let's have, let's, let's have Ephesians 5, 26. I want everybody to see it. I want everybody to see it. All right. Okay. Okay, let's go back where I started. Go to 24. 24. Yeah. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, next verse, so that he might what? Sanctify her. Amen. King James Bible, please. Okay, we can still read this one. Having cleansed her with the washing of the water of the word. King James, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. So here we go. So, so Jesus, in I believe it's John 17, he says to his, his disciples, you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. You remember that? So when it talks about water, one of the, one of the metaphors, or one of the types of God's word is water. Water is a symbol. Water is a symbol of the word. It's not a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but it's also a symbol of the word. So when it says these three bear witness, the spirit, go back to that verse of mine in 1 John, the spirit, the water, and the blood. So we've talked about the blood. The blood is what Jesus did on the cross, right? But then the water means the word of God. This is what this verse means. It means God's word works hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, and both of them work hand in hand with the work of Jesus on the cross. So if you really want to know the accuracy of interpreting the Bible, there is nothing that the word of God will say that will contradict the death of Jesus on the cross. And if you are led by the Spirit, there is no leading of the Holy Spirit that will contradict what the word of God says. They work together. Are you understanding? Yeah? So now I won't talk about the blood, but I'll talk about the water and the spirit. So God uses the word. Watch this now. This is important. And 
the power of the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us. That's how he shapes us. He uses his word and he uses the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11. Ecclesiastes 12, 11. I'll read the King James and I'll read the New English translation. The words of the wise are like goats and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. Look at the New English translation. It reads, the words of the sages or the wise are like prods and the collected sayings are like firmly fixed nails. They are given by one shepherd. Now, now, here it talks about the words of wisdom that wise people spoke. It says the words they spoke, they are like nails. Somebody say they are like nails. Say it again. But then it says they are given by one shepherd. So this verse not only talks about the words that people speak, it also refers to the words that come from God. So the word of God, therefore, is likened to nails. Speaking. Okay. So, what is it that we learn about nails? I mean, if the word of God is like a nail in my life, I mean, how, how, what are the similarities that are there? Well, let's talk about that. The word is a nail. Number one, several things that nails do. I want to talk about everything. The first thing that nails do is nails hold things up. Okay? So you take a nail, you nail it in the wall, and it, it, it holds things up. It keeps things from falling. Watch this, Pastor Lan. God will use the power of his word to keep you from falling. If you learn God's word, if you study God's word, if you familiarize yourself with God's word, if you believe God's word, if you will depend on God's word, then you'll realize that in times of crisis, even if crisis came, crisis didn't move you away, crisis did not destroy you, even if you thought you'll be destroyed, somehow God held you up. So what happens? Through life and through challenges, you start learning that even when trouble comes, trouble is not going to take me away. And it is in the midst of trouble that you start learning certain things about your God. Ah, you didn't hear what I said. Note what it says here. In, a, in a Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. It says about Jesus, whom, the, whom being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and it says, and God upholds all things by the word of his power. God upholds all things. The word uphold means to hold it up, to keep it from falling. The word uphold means God supports you. God ensures that things that try to drown you don't drown you. Now watch this. How does God make me? How does God make me? Through his word. This is what happens. When I go through crisis, right? And I want to pray the crisis away. God says, no, don't pray the crisis away. Believe my word. Yeah. 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 When trouble comes, I want trouble to disappear. God says, mm -mm. my grace is sufficient for you. You remember what God said to Paul? 
Paul says, there's a messenger of the devil who has been sent to buffet me. He said, three times I prayed and I asked God to remove this messenger of the devil. Instead of God removing the messenger of the devil, God only told me one thing. My grace is sufficient for you. 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 Paul says, therefore, I have learned to glory in my tribulations. He says, I've learned to take pleasure in infirmities. I've learned to take pleasure in weaknesses. Why, Paul? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. How many of you have ever gone through something where you felt, it looks like I'm going to get blown away here. It looks like I'm going to lose everything here. It looks like I'm going to walk away from God. You didn't have any answer. You didn't know what to do. All you did is to stand on the word of God and you stood on the word of God and you stood on the word of God and you stood on the word of God. When you look back, God had brought you through. Yeah. And you realize God's word upholds me. Not because of my wisdom. Not because of my strength. Not because I'm any special. But because there's a God in heaven who is able to uphold me. Some of you, you went through crisis in your lives. You went through crisis in your homes. Somebody passed on in your home. Your mother passed on. Your father passed on. And you asked yourself, how am I going to get out of this? But God's word has upheld you. Here you are today. God's word has upheld you. Yeah. Yeah. I found out I become and I get made as I learn to follow God. I have strong faith today, not because that's how I started, but I have strong faith today because I have seen God upholding me again and again and again and again and again. I wanted him to take the problem away. I wanted him for, to stop bad things from coming my way. But he didn't stop them. He didn't take them away. Even if he is not the one who brought them my way. But he allowed them to come my way. Because he said to me, Pot, I want you to land you vessel. I want you to know you clay. How strong you are. And I can uphold you even in the worst of times. How many of you can say, God has upheld me. God has kept me from falling. And I'm still here today. Still here today. Still here today. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn as the clay. In trouble, we learn, we grow. God makes us and shapes us. People find us strong. They think we were always strong. No, we were not always strong. We became strong. We became strong because God is the one who shaped us. How? Through his word. Through his word. I tell you, Vazalana, trusting God's word, believing God's word, acting on God's word, shapes you and makes you something else. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But like a nail, God's word is the one that held you up. Number two, nails hold things together. Nails hold things together. 
When we allow God's word to be practiced in our lives, God's word will ensure that we are a glue that sticks together. I tell you. Because God's word is not going to allow us to divide. God's word will not allow us to hate our brother and hate our sister. God's word will not allow us to have unresolved issues among ourselves. God's word is not going to allow me to revenge when you have done something wrong. God's word will always push us together. God uses his word. In a mirror. You know, when we counsel people sometimes and they are fighting, you know, uh, with one another in companies, in churches, in marriages, and often you say, but what does the word say? How many of you tell the truth? How many of you sometimes you want to say, I don't care what the word says. <laughs> what about me? Look at your neighbor say, Linnakemutu. Listen, Paul is praying for the elders in Ephesus. This is one of my most favorite scriptures. And I've got some scriptures that are my most favorite. I pray this scripture all the time. Paul says, talking to the elders in Ephesus, this is towards the end of his life. Paul knows that he's not from, it won't be long he'll be either in prison or dead. And he says to them, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. God's word will build you up. God's word will hold things together. So I found out when you walk in God's word, even in times of crisis, you stay together. Yeah, things that should have made you to fall apart. You, stay, you go through some of the most difficult situations and difficult, if it was somebody else, we should have, we should have had him, them hospitalized. Yeah, if it was somebody else, they should have done something that is very extreme. Maralu and Aho, you can't understand that you just stayed together. Yeah, yeah. Panke, I don't think he does it anymore. Ever since he got married, he doesn't say that. But before he got married, every time I asked him, I said, Panke, how are you? He would say, I'm together, boss. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm together, boss. Yeah. Tell your other neighbor, I'm together, boss. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when I look around at some things that some of our people have gone through in the church. Sure. You know, some people are more asmaela moli. You don't know the story behind that smile. And they're not smiling to mask anything. They're smiling genuinely. When you see them raise their hands and worship God, you will think that they don't know what the word problem means. Until you sit down with them. Until you start talking to them. I went to the church, Yamurti Goro. I mean, he loves God this man, he worships God. And then he tells me about a story that was in the newspaper about him, I think early this year. Huge story, front page of the newspaper, lying about him. A smear campaign in the whole country affected his church. This was the second or third time his church got affected. People left. But when you meet him, and when he talks about God, you will never know. Hey! I'll post some pictures for you. They were dancing so hard. 
When you look at him, when you talk to him, he is so full of faith, Amen. so full of love. Amen. He's the most joyous, most joyful umfundisi I've ever met. Hey, lay hands on me and give me the anointing out I want to do that sometimes. And you know, when, he's da- when he was dancing with his wife during his 60th birthday, you'd never think this man is going through problems. You know, some couples about to have a mother, you will never think they argue at home. Am, am I talking to some people here in the house? This is some premarital counseling for some people. <laughs> but you know, God's word is able to keep you from falling. That's how God makes us. That's how God molds us and shapes us. He makes this pot to be so strong. And he knows what, even if you can put it in the fire, it will still come out even stronger. Jesus. Here's what I like. Number three. Nails are faithful. <laughs> Some of us are going to say, look what the last speaker said on the wall way back in 1804 and you, you hung that black and white picture. It's standing by on the side. Mara, it's still held up because the nail is still as faithful as faithful can be. Can I hear an amen in the house? Particularly the concrete nail. You even put it at an angle. It's a long, ugly nail sitting at an angle. And you've hung that picture there. The picture is still held up. Because the nail is faithful. When you drive it into the wall, the nail says, I'm going to stay here. You know what I've learned, Bazalan? The way God makes us is to show us that his word is faithful. See, as a young Christian, I didn't realize that a lot of things I've been believing God for and trusting God for, they do happen finally. Yeah. In fact, the other day, it's, it's last week, two weeks ago, I was praying, and then God showed me something that I had prayed about for 25 years. I'm telling you. It was a situation. Have you ever prayed about a situation? It was a very difficult situation. And I remember I was complaining at this, about the situation. And instead of God, instead of God feeling sorry for me, how many of you have ever gone to God and you wanted him to feel sorry for you and he didn't feel sorry for you at all? And I was really disappointed. I said, where is, he, where is your compassion? I wanted God to feel sorry for me. Instead of God feeling sorry for me, he, 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 he revealed verses that I could use to pray. I didn't want to hear anything about the verse. No. I wanted an answer now. So I prayed and I prayed and then I stopped praying. And then a few days later, God said, what, what's with you? I said, but you, you, God said, didn't I say pray without ceasing? Okay, God. I prayed and I got into the discipline of praying about those things until I wasn't even looking out for an answer anymore. I prayed because it was the right thing to do. I believed God because God is faithful. And then two weeks ago, I'm praying in the morning, and God says, Musa, do you realize that such and such a situation has changed? I realized God's word is faithful. 
Watch what the Bible says. In Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Has he said? And shall he not do it? Has he spoken? Shall he not make it good? If God has said it, he'll do it. And that's what God uses to shape us, you know. So as a part, you start learning to trust God and to depend on God. Yeah. You, you trust God. You're faithful to God. You're not moved by situations. You, you don't fall apart. That's not how you started. You were some ugly clay that was found at the bottom of a riverbed. You were just nothing. But now here you are. Giant of faith. Woman of faith. Strong in faith. In fact, when other people go through problems, you are the one of The potter has used his word to shape you, mold you. Let's go to the second one quickly as we close. The second thing God uses us is to be led by the Spirit. Watch this now. Number one, the Holy Spirit will always lead you in line with the word of God. Always, always, always. He will always lead you in line with the word of God. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, to guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Basalana, can I just spend a little bit of time on this? Is that okay? Can I do that for you? Can I do that? All right. Let me show you this. First of all, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Somebody say he will guide you. Guide. Say it again. Tell your neighbor, you don't need to read horoscopes. <laughs> eh, eh, now. Tell them, you don't need to read horoscopes. Tell them the Holy Spirit will guide you. Say it again. He will guide you. Say it again. He will guide you. He will guide you into what? He will guide you into what? He will guide you into what, Bazalan? When he does, he will guide you into all truth. Now, the first thing that the Holy Spirit will always do is to lead you in line with God's word. So anytime you try to step out of line with God's word, the Holy Spirit will say, and I'm going to show you how he does it. Anytime you feel like doing it, you'll say, mm -mm. right? And anytime there's something that's brought to you, that's not God's word. But you, you, don't, you don't have enough scriptural knowledge to know that. The Holy Spirit will do something in here to make you doubt. Or... Have, you, have, you ever been, have you ever been there? You know, it has always amazed me as a young Christian, you know, as a young, young Christian, and I didn't know a lot. 1978, 1979, how I was so surprised by older Christians who did things that were so contradictory to the word of God. And, and I mean, there are things that you can't readily bring a verse to say it's wrong. You know, you know, you know what I mean? You can't, you, can't, you can't bring a verse to say this is wrong. But I was surprised how they still, and then I realized, unfortunately, 
Many people are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit in here. You know, if we can listen to the Holy Spirit in us, we will stop doing so many things. In fact, we won't have to come here and preach about wrong. Serious. And when he guides you, you'll find whatever he guides you with, somewhere in God's word, it's forbidden. And sometimes, somewhere in God's word, certain things he inspires you to do, you find that it's allowed. But the Holy Spirit prompts you. He said he will guide you into all truth. So when the Holy Spirit guides you, he will never guide you into anything that contradicts the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never guide you to go and do a bank robbery. Never. Never inspire. Oh, you, know, you are not saying amen. Were you thinking about robbing banks? Never. The, the Holy Spirit, he will never guide you to take somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife. You prayed about it. Don't, 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 don't tell us you prayed about it. Those kinds of prayers, God doesn't even answer. If they get answered, they are answered by another God, but not Jehovah God. Very important. The Holy Spirit will guide. Now note, it says, it says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Now, when it says he will show you things to come, it's not only talking about prophecy. No, no, no. But things that are to come in your life. You know the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, Basel, the Holy Spirit will give you a sense and a warning about things that are coming in your life. But many of us, spiritually, we are so dense and insensitive, we can't hear. Watch this now. Next verse, it says there, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. So, let's talk about these four ways the Holy Spirit will lead us. Number one, he'll always lead us in line with God's word. We've said that already, all right? When the Holy Spirit leads us, it will always be in line with God's word. The second way the Holy Spirit leads us is through the inward witness. Somebody say the inward witness. Say it again. Say it like you're alive. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you love the word. Now, what is the inward witness? Now, let me explain this quickly, Basalam. Before we are Christians, spiritually, we are dead. Spiritually, you know. We, 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 we haven't necessarily died physically, but spiritually, and by dead it means we are separated from the life of God and the nature of God. So in, in spiritually, we can't pick up, even if we can, but spiritually, mm, and, and when we get born again, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is to sensitize us. All right? Is to sensitize us. And because, listen to this now, the Holy Spirit abides in your spirit. All right? And because he dwells in your spirit, when he speaks to you, he will speak to you through your spirit. Now, the first way God speaks to us is through his word. Remember that. All right? And whatever God speaks to you, outside of that will never contradict God's word. But the second way is to give us the inward witness. Somebody say the inward witness. What's the inward witness? The inward witness is an inward sense or an inward assurance, an inward confirmation. It's not a voice. It's an inward sense. I don't want to say a feel. It's just an inward sense that makes you know that something is right. You just have an inward sense. You just have an inward peace about it. Let me give you an example. For me, I think this is more clearer because 
You know, I went to church ever since I was very young. I was six years old when I went to church. And when I got to be around uh, 15 years old, I, I got into a big argument with my late friend, Jerry Lichella. And he was a self-acclaimed atheist. Self-proclaimed atheist. He, 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 he didn't believe in God at that time. He changed later. <laughs> but he didn't believe in God, didn't believe in anything. So one day we got in an argument with him about the existence of God. And then years, then, 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 then he said, you go to church, is there God? And then he asked me, he said, is God real in your life? You know, and I've been going to church and I was confirmed, you know, and I was baptized, you know, and I just like, Lord. But you know, when he, when he asked me, is God real in your life? Are you saved? Because the Bible talks about being saved. Are you saved? You know, Bazalan, even if there was no conviction. And when I left, that question bothered me. It really bothered me. Because he said, the Bible talks about hell. Now, he was an atheist, but he knew more about the Bible than me, the Christian. He said, the Bible talks about hell. If you're not saved, you're going to go to hell. Eish. He shouldn't have said that. Now, he doesn't go to church. He's an atheist. I could never answer positively that I'm a Christian. I couldn't. Some of you, you are in that situation. Even if you come to church, you pray, you sing everything. Inside, you are not sure. If you were to die now, oh, no, 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 no. If you were to die now, are you sure you'll go to heaven? And I wasn't sure. It bothered me. So from that day, I avoided him. How many of you have ever avoided anybody who asked the difficult questions, right? You didn't want to confront the issue. But thank God, on the 5th of August, 1978, it was a Saturday, I got born again. And when I received Christ as Savior and Lord, all of a sudden, I had an inward assurance that I'm born again. I knew I have changed, come on, no questions. And you know what I did? When I went to school, I was looking for him. Because now I could say with boldness and confidence, keep pulling up, pull. I'm a Christian creek, I have heaven hey. Now note, I had not seen an angel. There was there hadn't been any earthquake, nothing, but there was an assurance on the inside without any shadow of a doubt and I still have it on the inside of me and if I was to die I have no question where I'm going not because of my works but because of the grace of God and having received Christ into my life when I received Christ in my life I got the inward witness now watch this that same assurance is what God uses in every decision in your life. When you want to make a decision, if you feel a sense of hesitancy in here, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't make the decision. 
But if when you have a situation and, and you're facing a decision and in here something saying yes, 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 it's not a voice. Just a sense. Can I tell you the secret? Then it's going to stop being, it won't be a secret anymore when I'm a cousin. When we go to buy churches, Murtazekiel will tell you. That's exactly what I do. I walk in the building, pray in the spirit, check how I feel. Now sometimes, you know, you, 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 you've lost the connection. <laughs> or sometimes I'm just not sure. And this is where praying, when you pray in tongues, when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. You build your spirit up. So when you build your spirit up, then what happens is you can easily detect what's going on. This is, this is spiritual surveillance. This is a, this, are, you, are, you, are you understand? This, this, is a, this is a spiritual tracking mechanism. You can tell. And, and most people, because most people don't pray a lot in other tongues, they, this is why, secondly, you must spend time in quietness. Huh? Be still. Be still. Quietness, no lerata. Why? Because, uh, and I can tell you, I can tell you decision after decision after decision we've made in our church. All I had was just an inward sense. I've told this story, I'll tell it again, I'll tell it a million times again. And if you're still alive, I'll still tell it in your lifetime. When we, when we built this church, that's exactly the word, what I sensed in my spirit. We had bought the site. We had gone through all the departments of government for approval. Everything had been approved. And the last person who was supposed to sign the final signature, one signature, the person was delaying. We waited. Four years. Yeah. No, 19, no, no, six years. We bought this 1994. We came in here 2001. Actually, it's more than six years. At the end of 2000, I remember I, I just said, nah, 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 nah. I, I just had a sense of, no, we must do something. Why? I don't know. Then I remember they said, but he hasn't signed. I, then I had a, he said, and that's what God will do. He just gave me wisdom, just wisdom. I said, look, why don't we ask them to give us a letter to provisionally allow us? He said, cool. Okay, mates. <laughs> hey. To, to give us a pro, 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 provisional permission to start building. I said, I mean, You've, everything has been approved. It's just a matter of uh, procedure and gender to sign. Everything is irreversible. This, this, the the, 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 the is irreversible now. Just give us then a provisional permission. Then they said, okay. So we started building. 2000, October, two, I mean 2001, October 2001, we go in here. We started having a church here. And then, not long thereafter, somebody visits us here and says, you've built on my site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. So they want to make a huge trainer, fight about it. Then not too long thereafter, we get a title deed from council. So he said, I got to forward to Mara. And this is what we discover. This is what we discover. That person had been negotiating for this same site 
at the same time as us. In fact, they were supposed to have gotten this site before we did because they were exchanging whatever, whatever. <laughs> now watch this. Had I delayed... Are you hearing me? <clears throat> you see, when, when, I, when, I got, when I got that sense, when I got that sense, had I delayed, wouldn't be having this building. I heard a story recently of a couple that went out to go and eat. And as they were eating, this man said, I just had a sense that we must rush back home. I didn't know why. I just had a sense of, no, go back home. Go back home. He said, I didn't know why. So, you know, they had already started ordering the food. They had already ordered. The children had already, that's why when you have children, they order a meal quickly. You know how the kids are. Ne? The children had already started eating. He said, no, let's stop, let's go. When they got into the house, they found that a fire had started. But it was small. They were able to extinguish it. Very small. They were able to extinguish it. Yeah. You know, Basalan, God is trying to help us. Mara, this clay sometimes. This is the same sense God gives you when you meet wrong company. They are nice. They have an effervescent personality. Ah. Bubbly. On face value, when you listen, you get convinced. When you're looking, logically, everything should work. Marakamo. Wahana. You say, what must I do? Don't make the decision at that time. Rather postpone. Buy time to say, I'll pray more about it. I got into trouble by violating that. I lost money, lots of money. I got into all kinds of problems simply because I rushed and I realized something. This thing of rushing into decisions. I don't like people who say, we have this thing to offer, sign here. Sign here. I want to pray about it. No, 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 no. If you don't sign, this offer passes. It might as well pass. I'm not signing. And this is exactly what happens. You, you sign something in here. This relationship is not right. This business deal is not right. I'm trying to buy this house, Mara. Something is not right about buying this house. Like I tried to buy a car several years ago, Mara. There was something wrong about buying this car. Ha! Huh? And then the car never came. We was robbed. <laughs> but you can't go back to God and say, God, why didn't you stop it? God says, why didn't you listen? I'm trying to talk to you. It's not a voice. It's just a sense. That's what God uses. But you see, it's the same thing God uses when you, when you do something that's unscriptural. Yeah, yeah. You, you meet somebody... You, have a, you get into a tiff with them, you tell them a piece of your mind, and when you're telling them, we worship it, it's wrong. You slam the door and go. And then when you are alone in here, you don't feel happy. It's not a voice, it's just a feeling. But it's not just a feeling, it's the Holy Spirit in you trying to shape the part. A child of God does not behave like that. It's the potter inside trying to mold the clay, trying to shape the clay and say, if you are my child, that's not the way to do stuff. 
But what do we do? We, 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 we numb out or drown out or ignore it. So what happens? Then our conscience starts getting seared. Yeah. Because you see, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. The book of Hebrews talks about how the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us and is able to bring life to our conscience. See, the conscience of a Christian is different because there are things that if other people do it, it doesn't bother them. Marawena, it bothers you. Somebody said, can a Christian sin? Yes, they can sin, but they won't enjoy it. They won't enjoy it. Yeah, we can sin. We can do everything that everybody can do, but all the way when you're doing it, it's like there's a police in your spirit blowing a whistle. You feel like you just passed through a red light. You just went through robots. Kill up fit that the robot, we can take out a holy bone. You know the feeling of fit that the robot, it's a red. It's like in here, there's a policeman. So even if you are going there, come on. Oh, why are you looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about? Your head can justify it, but your heart knows it's wrong. And that's what God uses to try and get us to live right. That's what God uses to try and mold us and shape us to say, Mzalana doesn't visit there. A Christian doesn't go onto that site. A Christian doesn't log on onto that site. A Christian doesn't keep that kind of company. A Christian doesn't drink that. A Christian doesn't behave like that. A Christian doesn't steal from his job. A Christian doesn't do that. It is the part I was trying to make you. A pastor doesn't relate like that with a church member. A pastor doesn't think like that about a church member. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside. As a husband, you don't relate like that with other women. As a woman, you don't relate like that with other men. Something in here is going. But what do we do? Ignore it. And then what happens? We crush. Then we say, God, where were you? God says, Ha. Oh. What do you mean, where was I? You want him to come through lightning and thunder? No. Comes in through the inward witness. Let me close. So I've gone over time a bit. The more we ignore the inward witness and the voice of the spirit, watch this now, is the more we will be desensitized. You see, hardened criminals didn't start like that. They started committing petty crimes. The first crime they committed, they felt guilty all the time, even if it was so small. You know, just like when you're a child. When, when, child, when children do something wrong, you can see it in their face. Have you, have you, ever, seen, have you, have you ever seen a child lying? Nana Utsa Sukir. Why? Because their conscience is still alive. It's pure, it's sincere, it's untampered with. God wants us to maintain a tender conscience throughout our lives, but what happens? As we grow up, we learn to cheat. We can tell a lie with a straight face. 
through God then only by my love. You will never ever believe me. You will never. What must I do to convince you? And you know you are not telling the truth. You know. What happened? We started lying bit by bit by bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. So what happens? Even if the conscience speaks, you can't hear it anymore. It's not that it's not speaking. It's that your conscience now has been seared, just like when you drink tea. See, when you are children, we, 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 we usually make sure we cool their food because their, their palate is still tender and young. Can't take hot stuff. But as, as we grow up, we keep on drinking hotter and hotter and hotter. And hotter. Until even when you put me into to you know, the And when you drink it, you, know, you just go, and that's it. No feeling. And a child can't do that. Now, what's the difference between the two? It's not that the tea is not hot. The tea is hot. The difference is this. This one, they have adjusted. They have adjusted. They have, they have recalibrated. They have adjusted their thermostat. Their, their tolerance level is very high. So a Christian can sin and run to church in the morning. They can come from Aquapen and come sit right here with them and raise hands to the Lord and say, Hallelujah. Jesus. Yes. It's not that what they're doing is, 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 is right. No, it's that, that the tolerance level. And God uses that. And Paul says, when he talks about them, he says, these ones, they've ignored their conscience. He says they have made shipwreck of their lives. You see, we see now, unfortunately, with the flights that have been attacked through terrorism, but normally, they tell you about flights that most of the airplane crashes, 80% of them, if not 90%, is through human error. An aeroplane is almost like many of you with your cars that have sensors, you know? Well, when the car has sensors, if you are reversing your car and the sensor goes, doom, 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 as you get closer, go, doom, 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 as you get closer, go, doom. Now, how many, you know, so now what happens is this. If you ignore the doom, a world chaser. You can't blame the car. No. You can't blame the car. And that's what happens in here. The Holy Spirit goes doom, 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 doom. And we still go ahead. Doom. Not that boyfriend. We still go ahead. Doom. Not that deal. We still go ahead. Doom. Not that. Doom. We still go ahead. And then when we bump, we say, Marau, God, where were you? And God says, hey, you ignored my warning. But you know what I found out? If you will listen to the spirit in here, oh, God will shape you. I see God shaping you. I said, I see God shape you. I see God shaping you. Oh, God, make us into who you want us to be. We want to be like you. We want to serve you more. We want to love you more. Raise your hands and begin to pray. Help me not to ignore the voice of the Spirit. Help me not to say no. Oh God, I pray that you will recalibrate my spirit. I pray that you will reset my thermostat. 
I pray that I will not have a high tolerance level. Oh, Jesus. Just pray. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Move me now. Make my life whole again. Spirit move over me. Spirit Spirit, move me now. Make my life whole again. Spirit, move over me. Just pray, 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 everybody. And then they both so cool, yeah, the bro so cool. My elevator, so cool, definitely. Mambo, yeah, the boss so cool. Spirit move. Oh, Sakala Dabra Sakoro Dabra Balabaria Dabora Bosaka. Mambora Bosika Rabarianda. Pray, 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 pray. Oh, Nabra Sakoro Dabra Balabariana Rababara. Yes, a coro de brebes a coro de bo. Pray, pray, Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus, come breathe in me and all my love take over. Fill me, Jesus. Thank you for grace that will never run out. For mercy that will never run out. Thank you for forgiving us. And for setting our feet on a different path. Oh God, we will listen to you, our potter. When you prompt us through your word. When you prompt us through the Holy Spirit. We will say yes. 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 Hold us, shape us to be what you want us to be. Thank you for your presence right now in this house. 
You said if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We appropriate the power of forgiveness right now. The grace of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that bad our eyes closed just remain right where you are nobody moving please nobody leaving some of you are where I was years ago going to church doing all the church things when in my heart of hearts I knew I was lost as lost could be I knew that I didn't have a real and living encounter with Jesus Christ I knew that my life was not changed I was comfortable to go to church. I was comfortable to make everybody believe that everything was right. But as I said in my own quietness, I knew I had a fear. If I was to leave the world, I knew I would be lost forever. You don't have to carry that fear anymore, my brother and my sister. This morning, you can invite Christ into your life to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. You can do what I did. In 1978, you can indicate by saying, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life, to change me and make me a child of God. I want to have a living, real relationship with you. And you are the only one who can change lives. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you say, Bishop, I really need prayer. I need God's help. I want Jesus to come into my heart. My life is not where God wants it to be. But today, I want to turn around. I want to follow Jesus. I want God to change my life. Would you please pray for me? If that is you, right where you are standing, would you raise your hand please to indicate so that we can pray together. Thank you for those hands. Raise them up. Raise them high. Do not be afraid. I once was lost. Now I'm found. He's a God who finds us, changes us, transforms our lives. Raise our hands. I see some hands in the foyer there. Some people have raised their hands. Just keep it raised. If you've raised right at the back there, I can see you. I can see you. Don't be afraid. This is a time and a chance for you, for your life to be changed and to be transformed. I want to ask all those of you who raised your hands. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to come from where you are. And take all your belongings, please. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. Just keep them safe with you. Take them in your arms. And just make your way to the front. Even from the back. Just come out of the aisle. And walk all the way to the front. We want to pray for you. The ushers will help you. Come right here in the building. There's somebody there. Ushers, please just help them. Help them, please. Help them. There's somebody there. Just help them, please. Come, let's pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Give them a big hand. God is a loving God. It's a forgiving God. A merciful God, a gracious God. 
No matter what has gone wrong in our lives, God knows how to make it right. No matter how long it's been wrong, doesn't matter how many years, even if people have given up on you, God will not give up on you. He's a God who knows how to remake, reshape, and reform us. He knows how to take useless clay and make it into a vessel of glory and honor. And this is where it all starts. When we become honest with ourselves and say, you know what, God? I've tried it in my own strength. I'm not cutting it. It's not working for me. But I come. I come. I come just as I am. Let me pray for you. Give me a Lord. Father, I pray for these precious people. Your love and your mercy on them. The presence of the Holy Spirit. You who's able to make right what is wrong. You who believes in us when everybody else turns their back on us, forsakes us. You who reaches to the uttermost when people have already given us a sell by date. You who's able to go to the bottom of where we are and harvest us and raise us up. Here are your children. They come with hearts that are open and dependent on you. And I know that you, God, will change and transform every one of them. I pray for your blessing on everyone. I pray for your grace. I pray for your mess. In Jesus' name, amen.